Everyone has habits. If you're like me, you have a habit of drinking a cup of coffee in the morning. Maybe you have a habit of scrolling through social media in between meetings or your daily downtime, or a habit to spend frivolously after a stressful week. We all have patterns of behavior that dictate our decisions and determine our course of action. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, our habits, our patterns, also play a vital role. How do we use the power of habits to create positive patterns in our spiritual life? You're listening to The Bloom Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Robinson, for March 1st, 2024. Welcome to Bloom. Bloom is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow you in your relationship with others and Jesus. We are highly passionate to grow in grace and knowledge so that we can be more effective for Christ. If you're tuning in for the first time, Bloom drops a new episode on the first Friday of every month. So please subscribe wherever you consume the content so we can continue to grow together. We are wrapping up our series this month on the power of habits, and I saved the best for last. For a quick recap, we introduced the series by talking about habits in our financial life. Then we discussed habits in our physical life. To finish the series, we're diving into how habits affect our spiritual life. Since habits are patterns of behavior, we need to examine and potentially retrain our mindset in order to establish new patterns of behavior to create new habits. Even though every area of our lives intertwine, they connect, our spiritual life is the foundational piece that all other areas of our life orbit. Because our spiritual life profoundly shapes and influences who we are at our core. It's our values, our beliefs, our moral compass, our character. It's in essence the stock of what we're made of. As followers of Jesus, our primary objective is to mirror the image of Christ in all we do. But that begins by intentionally investing in our relationship with him. That closeness of our relationship with Jesus is directly impacted by the spiritual disciplines we have. For instance, you can't expect to grow in the knowledge of who God is without opening your Bible. You can't expect to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit if you never practice consistent communication with him. The patterns of our lives, the time we invest in his presence, the opportunities with the Lord that we seek, the saturation of his word, these patterns all come into play in determining the strength of our relationship with Jesus and our effectiveness in the kingdom. In our previous series, we unpacked five habits that powerfully affect the particular area in our life. Pastor Craig Groeschel tells us the life we have is often a reflection of the thoughts we think. When it comes to developing new habits, new patterns of behavior, we have to consider our mindset. This month is no different, so let's dig into our first mindset habit. Spiritual mindset habit number one, quality over quantity. We live in a culture that measures success using numbers. We've been programmed to believe that more is always better. How many people came to the event? How many calories did she burn? How much money did their business bring in last quarter? How much weight did he bench? We equate quantity with effectiveness. And this isn't to downplay the role of tracking numbers. Numbers do determine some things when it comes to the overall success of a ministry, a product, or physical accomplishments. But we need to be careful not to allow numbers to become the primary measurement when it comes to our study of God's word. When I was younger, I had a quantity mindset. I thought if I could read the most, that meant I was ahead of the pack. 
as if scripture reading was a quota. So I would read, skim might actually be a little bit more accurate, in order to say, I read this, this, and that this week. The problem was I hadn't retained or absorbed what I read. And I might not have even fully understand it for its context and what it was when it was written. I left no opportunity for reflection, meditation, or study. It can become an easy habit to trailblaze on through when God wants us to take strategic pauses. As I grew some in my maturity in Christ, I concluded that it wasn't about how much I read, but I often fell back into familiar habits and set goals to at least read through a chapter. I mean, it's not an unrealistic goal, right? But I can't tell you how many times I've experienced God using his word to speak to me where he invites me to just steep on a passage. Maybe it's only a couple verses, but I linger there. I might wrestle with it. I might meditate on it and commit it to memory. It may not feel like a grand accomplishment when I'm all done, but that's okay. Sometimes we treat reading God's word like it's a school assignment, something we just have to do to earn our Christian credits when it's spending time with our Savior, getting to know him, allowing him to speak to us personally. Part of being intentional with God's word is to allow it to do its work in your life. And it's hard to do that when we obsess about quantity over the quality. That was number one. All right, spiritual mindset habit number two, sustaining intimacy with Jesus. And one of the attributes of a habit is that it's something sustainable. It's something you enjoy doing and it's something that works for you, which are both necessary ingredients for establishing and maintaining new habits. People have been boxing in Jesus for centuries. We have it ingrained in us that time with Jesus looks like sitting in a high back tufted chair with a lamp and reading glasses, stoically praying with hands folded in our lap. A lot of times, Jesus is depicted in that same sense, stoic and serious, as if he is completely void of all emotion. But what makes Jesus so unique is that he is fully God and fully man. He had a vocation. He was a carpenter. He slept. He ate. He attended dinner parties and weddings. Some of the most beautiful conversations with Jesus recorded in scripture shows him at a well, in a boat, or a mountainside. He was a real person. He was God in the flesh. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have a well, I don't own a boat, or have a convenient mountainside near me, but you and I are not confined when it comes to talking to Jesus. I have a couple of friends who have monthly getaways with Jesus. One friend goes to the Cleveland Museum of History to meet with Jesus every single month. He finds a sense of peace and escape there that allows him to focus on simply talking to God. Another friend of mine schedules dates with Jesus. She goes out to a restaurant or a coffee shop and prays and reads and journals. She equates that time as a husband and a wife who go out on a date to maintain intimacy. It's that same idea. Now, these are not obviously sustainable for the day-to-day interactions with Jesus, but think about how you engage in conversation with your friends, your kids, or your spouse. Jesse and I love when the weather is warm. We take a 30-minute walk around our neighborhood, sometimes more. And, you know, the exercise is a bonus, but the primary reason we do it is because in that time, there's no distractions of work. No visibility of chores needing to be completed. No kids tugging at us and interrupting our conversation. We could just walk and share, plan, and laugh. 
it is one of the highlights of our day. And you can talk to Jesus when you're sipping your morning coffee or out for a run. The time with Jesus doesn't have to be boring or sedentary. What matters is it's consistent intimacy with him, which comes through sustainability. Find what you enjoy and find what fits in your schedule and use that time to be with Jesus. All right, spiritual mindset habit number three is easily one of my greatest struggles. Practice silence. Now, this sounds like the opposite of what we just mentioned with mindset number two, but that is because we tend to forget that communication is a two-way street. There is a balance of talking and listening. For example, when you meet a friend for coffee, you don't sit down, talk about the frustrations in your day and the things you wished were different, the crazy pressures you're under, and then say goodbye, nice chatting with you, and get up and leave. But we treat Jesus like this all the time. We come to him with our anxieties, our burdens, our requests, and then we're off without giving him a chance to chime in. God doesn't need our silence in order to speak to us, but I think there is merit in taking a moment to just sit in quiet. We've been so programmed to live in a constant state of sound. Noise has become more than just the norm. It's a safety blanket because we've grown uncomfortable in the quiet. If you're a mom of small kids, you're probably thinking, it's not my choice that I'm always surrounded by sound. But even when we have opportunity for silence, we tend to reach for something that breaks it. These sounds might not even be bad. It could be a podcast teaching or worship music. But what's wrong with silence? When did silence become bad? The struggle for silence has really become an issue in our lives, and we avoid it at all costs. When do we take those moments of silent, quiet time with the Lord? We can find ourselves getting a little distracted. This tends to be probably my biggest issue. My watch is always reminding me to breathe. It wants me to take part in a quick breathing exercise. Just for one minute, inhale and hold it for 10 seconds. Exhale and hold it for 10 seconds. And you repeat that cycle for a minute. And I am so guilty of dismissing it. Every single time I swipe off my watch because I'm like, I don't have time to breathe. Like, who has time to breathe? And the funny truth is I breathe all the time. It's kind of a necessity. But just because I'm not practicing it and it's not in a controlled way. When it comes to silence, it's not that we don't have opportunities for it, but it's not controlled. Our mind wanders to our work deadlines, the kids' afternoon activity schedule, or deciding what to make for dinner. We allow our thoughts to roam instead of bridling them to focus on Jesus. Also no, this doesn't have to be an extended length of time. We're not talking about doing a whole weekend, a day, or even an hour. Start with one minute. Set a timer and sit in silence and just focus on God. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to calm your heart and settle your soul. You're not bringing everything happening in your world to him in that moment other than your ears. Schedule that time into your day. And when a minute is no longer sufficient, and eventually it won't be, I guarantee it, incrementally add more time. The more silence is practiced, you might discover that sound almost becomes an irritant. Silence can be soothing, it's restful, and it's a great way to invite the Lord to speak to you. Spiritual mindset habit number four, keeping short accounts. 
Now, when I was younger, I had a friend who was very absent-minded and would sometimes be careless with her words. And even though it was frustrating, others somehow found this lovable about her, even excusing it by saying that, well, it's just how she is. I was not one of those people. I was a firm believer in accountability and owning up to your wrongs. To her credit, she recognized her faults. She could tell when people became irritated by this quirk of hers. But the problem was that regardless of her awareness of her faults, she wouldn't apologize for it. It was as though there was some understood agreement that we would all just live with her forgetfulness and careless words, no matter how offensive or hurtful it was. And when it comes to our relationship with God, there is an awareness of our faults, failures, and shortcomings, but how often are those met with repentance? There isn't a single day that goes by where we can honestly stand before God without having offended him. And yet that awareness doesn't always bring us to our knees in repentance. We know God is an abundantly faithful and gracious God. There is no mistake or failure that his grace cannot cover. His word promises us, confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But he does desire for us to come to him with those moments, with a repentive heart. We need his grace every day, but we tend to neglect to bring those things to him. Sometimes we're very aware of our sin. Sometimes our sin needs to be revealed and brought into the light. Psalm 19 says, Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When we insert time in our daily conversation with God to bring him our shortcomings and faults, not only do we remain in a posture of humility towards God, but it reminds us of the fact that we serve a holy and righteous God who calls us to be holy. He says, be holy as I am holy. Now, obviously, we can't be holy in our own strength. The Holy Spirit partners with us to sanctify us and lead us in paths of righteousness. But when we fail to come before God without acknowledging our grievances, we don't appreciate his glory and his grace in the way that we should. And most importantly, unrepented sin will drive a wedge between you and God. You cannot grow in your relationship with Jesus and live in sin. It's not that God is keeping a running tab of your offenses, but he's in the business of forgiveness. He knows that when your repentance meets his forgiveness, transformation happens. Ultimately, his plan is to mold us into the image of his son, Jesus. He wants to transform us, take what is flesh and make it holy. But we have to partner with him by first seeking his forgiveness in our areas of sin. So what does this look like? How can we develop a habit of bringing attention to our sin and offering it to God? When my kids were small, I was a part of a moms and prayer group that met at their school. We got together every Thursday morning to pray and encourage one another. And one of the prayer tools that Moms in Prayer International, the organization that started Moms in Prayer, is something I still utilize today. In order to keep prayer from bouncing around, there was a format that we used. Now, it doesn't mean that prayer always looks this way or should necessarily always look this way, but I found it incredibly helpful. 
First, we start with praise. We focus on praising God simply for who he is, his character, his attributes, what makes God, God. Next, we focus on thanksgiving. We give thanks specifically for what God is doing in our lives, the glimpses of his hands at work. Third, we would take a few minutes for silent confession. Here is where the repentance piece comes in. And lastly, we have a time of intercession, praying the word over our situations and for others, our kids, their school, bringing our requests before him. It's a great pattern of prayer. It has been a model of prayer for me for many years. And whether you follow this pattern or not, the key is to be intentional and intentional about keeping short accounts with God. Keep your sin in check. Finally, our last spiritual mindset habit is getting off the bench and into the game. I will admit I love this one. Uh, In 1963, Coach Bud Wilkinson, head coach at Oklahoma, once said, Football is 22 people on the field who need rest and 22,000 people in the stands who need exercise. I've shared this quote before on a former podcast, but I felt like it was worth resharing for this example. You know, being married to a football coach for the past 16 years, this is a clear visual for me. If you go to a football game, the coach isn't calling in people from the stands. The refs aren't looking back to you to confirm a call on a play, no matter how hard you yell at them, okay? But the game can only be won on the field. Church has become a bit of a spectator sport in our culture. The typical model for today's churchgoer, We attend worship, we listen to the sermon, we sit in a class, we indulge in the after-service coffee and treats, and we go home. Instead of going to church, what if we be the church? When we give our life to Jesus, we become a new creation, and that automatically makes you part of the team. But instead of a jersey with a number, God gives us unique gifts that he designed specifically for you to use to encourage others and advance the kingdom. Let me tell you, God did not endow you with his divine gifts and abilities so you can keep the bench warm. Get some skin in the game. We have to reset our mindset of church. I shared something on social media the other day that said, God cares more about the health of the church than the nation. The nation can't heal the church, but the church can heal the nation. It was personally convicting to me. But one of the comments I received was a poke at American church leadership and what is lacking. Being in ministry leadership, I understand the weight and importance of shepherding souls in a way that keeps Jesus at the center. But if I could keep referencing the football analogy, church leaders are like the coaches, but who also have to play in the game. It's a weird dynamic. We're leading, encouraging, and challenging the team, but we also don't just stand on the sidelines. The church is the whole team, not just the leadership. We need everybody. Everybody needs to be in the game. When you recognize that you are not someone sitting in the stands, just sitting in the worship center for singing and a message, but part of a greater team, Team Jesus, your mindset on the definition of church is completely transformed. So how can you get out of the stands and onto the field? The first practical step is to discover your spiritual gifts. You have them. Trust me, we all have them. There are several free online assessments you can take to help you determine what your top gifts are. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and 1 Peter 4 are all excellent verses to provide some context and clarity on spiritual gifts. Secondly, discover what you are passionate about. 
at Grace, we have a serve button on our website that provides a whole directory of serving opportunities. Think about what you are deeply passionate about and inquire about how your gifts and passions fit in the scope of ministry. Each area of ministry will connect you to the right person to talk to about that. And be in prayer also about those opportunities. I would encourage you to start with one commitment. Don't overcrowd the plate. You might be a person with many gifts and passionate about a lot of things, but taking on too much at once tends to give you burnout real quick. And in ministry, we like to say it's a marathon, not a sprint. So pace yourself one thing at a time. It's always easier to add than it is to take away. We are the body of Christ. So don't worry about trying to be the hand and the ear and the eye. God might just want you to be a foot right now, okay? And that's fine. Just because you can play multiple positions doesn't mean God is calling you to. You don't need someone um, to just keep doing all these things. We are people. We are human. We do need some reprieve. The only MVP in Christianity is Jesus. So all you need to do is get off the bench and into the game by serving where God is gifting and leading you. All right, so for a quick recap on our spiritual mindset habits. Number one, quality over quantity. It's not about how many chapters you read in a day. God cares more about you taking the time to meditate, reflect, study, and commit his words to memory more than he cares about how much you've read. Number two, sustaining intimacy with Jesus. Our conversation with Jesus doesn't have to be boring. Go for walks with Jesus. Have coffee with Jesus. Spend time with him in a way that keeps you connected. Number three, practice silence. Take a moment to be still with God. Don't allow your mind to wander to the things of your day, but focus on him and allow him room to speak to you. Keep short accounts. Number four, as often as you ask God for requests, Ask him for forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive you. When our repentance meets his forgiveness, transformation takes place and makes us more like Jesus. And five, finally, last but not least, getting off the bench and into the game. God has given you a position on the team. He didn't give you gifts to keep the bench warm, but to use them for the encouragement of others and advancement of the gospel. There is power in our habits, and there is power in our mindset. When we reset our mindset, we create new patterns in our lives, patterns that shape us, make us more effective, and impact the people around us. I hope that you enjoyed this series. I'd love for you to join me back here next month. In the meantime, keep growing, and God bless. 